0: Annihilation. 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 One minute at a time. <laughs> Tell me, she said, what is the story you are telling? What wild song is singing itself through you? Listen. In the silence between there is music. In the spaces between there is story. It is the song you are living now. It is the story of the place where you are. It contains the shapes of these old mountains, the green of the rhododendron leaves. It is happening right now in your breath, in your heartbeat still, drumming the deeper rhythm beneath your cracking words. It matters what you did this morning, and last Saturday night, and last year, not because you are important, but because you are in it, and it is still moving. We are all in this story together. Listen. In the silence between there is music. In the spaces between, there is story. Pay attention. We are listening each other into being. Sally Atkins. Tell me, she said. Lena has just joined Anya and Cassie Shepard and Josie Raddick at their table on the viewing platform outside the Southern Reach facility. In Jeff Vandermeer's novel, these characters had no names. He explains to Paloma Mukherjee, Guernica Magazine, 7th August, 2017, quote, It's funny how more and more there are absences that help me find the right distance or closeness from which to tell a story. With Annihilation, I didn't have character names, and that actually helped me know the characters better. Every time I assigned a name to a character in that trilogy, I knew them less. And also, the lack of names means they get subsumed by the landscape to some degree, or seen as at the same level as the landscape, which made sense in the Southern Reach trilogy. End quote. I talked last minute about the other stories from which Alex Garland took the names for these characters in the film. But it is worth talking about why it matters whether or not they even have names. First off, in terms of literature, there is an every man every woman every person quality to a nameless character, especially a narrator or protagonist. I am reminded of Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics in which he specifically writes about the abstraction of cartoon imagery, but the same holds true for prose. He writes, "Quote the more cartoony a face is, for instance, the more people it could be said to describe. End quote. And later, regarding our ability, nay, our unavoidable tendency to see faces on everyday objects, he writes, quote, We humans are a self-centered race. We see ourselves in everything. We assign identities and emotions where none exist. And we make the world over in our image. Think of your face as a mask. That's what it is, after all. A mask, facing outward, worn from the day you were born, slave to your every mental command, seen by everyone you meet, but never by you. Open its eyes now. Just think it. The mask will obey. All set? Good. Now smile. Come on, nobody's looking. Good. Now, what changed when you smiled? What did you see? Nothing, right? Yet you know you smiled. Not just because you felt your cheeks compress or the crinkling around your eyes. You know you smiled because you trusted this mask called your face to respond. But the face you see in your mind is not the same as others see. And I must interrupt to offer prematurely, the way we see a particular character in a prose story is not the same way another reader sees the same character. But let us return to McLeod. When two people interact, they usually look directly at one another, seeing their partner's features in vivid detail. Each one also sustains a constant awareness of his or her own face. But this mind picture is not nearly so vivid, just a sketchy arrangement, a sense of shape, a sense of general placement. Sometimes as simple and as basic as a cartoon. This, when you look at a photo or realistic drawing of a face, you see it as the face of another. But when you enter the world of the cartoon, you see yourself. I believe this is the primary cause of our childhood fascination with cartoons. Though other factors such as universal identification, simplicity, and the childlike features of many cartoon characters also play a part. The cartoon is a vacuum into which our identity and awareness are pulled, an empty shell that we inhabit which enables us to travel in another realm. We don't just observe the cartoon, we become it. End quote. Morgan Jerkins argues at Book Riot, 14th March 2015, Quote, Nameless protagonists not only reveal the genius of their creators, but also the paradoxical solidarity between the characters and their readers. She continues past the obvious into some examples. As we all know, names are very important. The word name comes from the Old English word Nama. In Sanskrit, its translation is Naman, which denotes the signature sign or mark. In fact, in some Hindu schools, a philosophical term is applied to Naman in order to convey essence and substance to a human's immaterial qualities. In Latin, the term nomen traces back to ancient Roman times where a citizen's nomen was representative of his or her race, clan, and descent. Generally speaking, humans have at least two names, a given name and a surname. In certain cultures such as Spanish, a person retains both patrilineal and matrilineal surnames. Overall, what we can deduce from all of these influences is that a name has a sort of power. It binds a person to the past, keeps him grounded in the present, and accompanies him well into the future. For most novels, we are given the protagonist's name. Humbert Humbert, Anna Karenina, Lily Briscoe, Jay Gatsby, Howard Rourke. And whether or not it was the author's intentions, their histories that make their character motivations relevant are tied to their names. When we try to remember characters, we name them first before getting into what makes them unique. The most interesting fact about it is that it's instinctual. Think about it. If I asked you to tell me about To Kill a Mockingbird, you would need to use specific names or else I would get confused. He, she, and they would not suffice. So what happens when you come across a nameless protagonist like that in Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man or Fyodor Dostoevsky's Notes from the Underground? The simple answer is everything. These two novels open in similar ways. For Invisible Man, it's I am an invisible man. I am a man of substance, of flesh and bone, fiber and liquids. For Notes from the Underground, I am a sick man. I am a spiteful man. I am an unpleasant man. Both protagonists introduce themselves as I am. Who are they? You can never be sure. But they are letting you know that they exist. Be mindful that they never state, I am the invisible man, or I am the sick man. Arguably, these linguistic choices convey to us that they are one of many. There are others who exist that are just like them, invisible and or sick. But we've never encountered them. Or maybe we have. End quote. Additionally, a character without a name may be indicative of a character in search of an identity. The biologist narrates Vandermeer's novel Annihilation. Her name does not matter because we experience the events as she experiences the events. But the novel also takes the names away from the other characters for a more explicit, potentially more sinister reason. The biologist explains, quote, We were always strongly discouraged from using names. We were meant to be focused on our purpose, and anything personal should be left behind. Names belong to where we had come from, not to who we were when embedded in Area X. End quote. Already, even before the time frame of The Shimmer has been shortened for the film, one might get a sense just from this brief explanation that this alien landscape changes you. Add to that the suicidal nature of such ventures in the film, and then imagine that this film was perhaps a found footage film, or that it was narrated excessively by our protagonist, or possibly in some Terence Malick-style alternating fashion by all five of these women, much like the various chapters of Barbara Kingsolver's The Poisonwood Bible. It becomes a very different film if any of these things are the case, and when you forego the first-person narrative, forego the first-person POV, the characters inevitably become more specific. The film audience, taken in mass, has seen Natalie Portman before, has seen Jennifer Jason Lee before, has probably seen Tessa Thompson or Gina Rodriguez before, and in certain countries has likely seen Tuva Novotny before. These are not abstracted characters any longer. They are portrayed by specific actresses and carry, along with their textual baggage, perhaps some of the extra-textual baggage of those actresses. I will, by the way, be offering profiles of these three remaining women over the course of these next three episodes rather than shove them all into this one introductory minute. We can no longer have the anonymity of nameless characters, at least not so simply. Instead, any struggle for concrete identity in these characters must come from performance, from direction, from script. The shared tattoo matters, even if we only notice it subconsciously. The cane has only one name, and in the film at least, so does Lena. And these three other women are immediately given first and last upon introduction might let us realize early on that these women, however much we might like the actresses, however much we might care about their characters and what will happen to them, are less abstract and thus less central to the story we are following. Lena is simply Lena, more specific than the biologist, but still without a family name, though she does have one in the script, Karen's. Kane is simply Kane, more specific than being her husband, but with Only a family name, a soldier's name. And interestingly, this means that Lena and Kane do not share a name despite being married. Dr. Ventress is a special case in that she does not get a first name, but does get a title. In the film, it should be noted, the uniforms the women wear when they go into the Shimmer have no name tags, no patches, no identifiers. If not for their very insistence on being individuals, on talking to one another about themselves, they might as well be the nameless explorers from Vandermeer's novel. Writing for Discursive Impulse, no date, Elena Basada argues, quote, Garland deals with gender in the film with his matter-of-fact attitude. He does not urge the audience to meditate further on the female-driven cast than what is directly on screen. Indeed. Garland tells Clark Collis at Entertainment Weekly 23rd February 2018 regarding the all-female lineup, quote, I deliberately did not want to draw attention to it, and so I don't really want to do it now. End quote. But back to Posada. The women are diverse and emotionally complex, imbuing the film with an essence that would not exist without its female-driven cast. End quote. In 2018, a female-led, female-centric science fiction film with a respectable budget is worth promoting before one even gets into the specific premise. That Garland downplayed it may have been a misstep, or perhaps he left more room for the five women to promote it and themselves. Coming back to last minute, in taking all these various names specifically from J.G. Ballard, Garland not only makes them more specific, but puts an extra set of metatextual baggage on each of them. Now. Before we get to the actual exchange at the table between these four women, the scripted version of this scene involves a longer conversation between Lena and Thornsson alone. From the script, Lena continued, Have you been at the facility a long time? Thorinson, Nearly a year now. I was a paramedic in Chicago. Tried to join MSF thinking I'd work out in Asia or something, but my application got flagged by some computer system, and Southern Reach got in touch. That chime with how they got to you? Lena, Yeah, similar story. Lena nods toward the Shimmer. Lena, continued. Do you ever get used to the view? Thornton laughs. Thornton, it's weird. The Shimmer is the strangest thing I've ever seen. Like, what's the Grand Canyon to this? But at the same time, you do kind of get used to it. You have to accept it. Because it's there. This dialogue is, of course, a little too on the nose and was rightfully left behind. And we will return to this conversation between Lena and Thornton next minute. For now, the film's version. Thornton has just introduced Lena to Shepherd and Radic, and invited Lena to sit. We begin this minute angled on Lena as she sits. Lena, thank yeah. you. Shepherd, off screen. So. so, angle over table. Thornton has not sat down yet because she is retrieving a beer from the cooler on the ground at the far end of the table. Shepherd has a beer bottle in her hand. Another beer bottle sits on the table before Radic. A beer can sits at the empty place where Thornton will be sitting. Shepherd. Continued. first First day at the the southern southern reach reach. shepherd punctuates her statement by sipping her beer the statement and lena's answer contradicts of course the scripted implication that thornton has seen lena numerous times on the viewing platform lena yes yes. thornton opens the fresh beer bottle by putting it to the edge of the table with her left hand and hitting it with her right thornton (laughs) then she sets it in front of lena lena thank Thank you you. thornton you're you're welcome. welcome Gina Rodriguez tells Jen Yamato of the Los Angeles Times, 20th February, 2018, that one draw to playing Thornsson was, quote, the chance to step outside her popular Jane the Virgin T.D. alter ego. Being able to play this very outwardly unafraid badass was so dope, she said. As an artist, you want to transform, you want to be anything, you want to be able to be capable of doing anything. And I felt like Alex was telling me I could. There was one caveat. She had to shave her head for the role just three days after rapping on Jane the Virgin. It was very fun to do and also really awful and scary, she said with a laugh. It felt like night and day. They cut all my hair off and I was like, who am I? And then Alex was like, let's go on a journey of wondering who we are. Oh man, it was crazy. End quote. Additionally, Rodriguez, born Gina Alexis Rodriguez, 30th July 1984 in Chicago, Illinois, tells Yamada, quote, I didn't realize how much my personal draw to the character was her reason for going into the Shimmer. Her reason for going on a suicide mission was running away from her past and her addictive personality, her addictions, and her fear of mental illness, and her fear of losing control of herself. I'm always battling the idea of mental health. My fear of it, personally, the history of mental health in my family, and not ever really facing it, because in my culture, we don't really talk about mental health. I got to actually enter my own fear as an actor. End quote. The youngest of five children... Rodriguez was raised Catholic and was a professional salsa dancer from age 7 to 17. At 16, she was one of only 13 teenagers accepted into Columbia University's theatrical collaboration, and she attended NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, trained for four years at the Atlantic Theater Company and Experimental Theater Wing. Aside from her many stage roles, Rodriguez has 136 acting credits on IMDb, including her titular role of Jane Villanueva on five seasons of Jane the Virgin for which she was nominated for a Golden Globe three times, winning once. She is married to MMA fighter Joe Losisero. Regarding the female cast, Rodriguez tells Michael Phillips at the Chicago Tribune, 1st March 2018, quote, It just happens to be about five women. There's no yay women are just as strong as men thing going on. I'm not playing the strong Latina woman in the story. I'm playing a human being with her own agenda, and these characters are using their skills and their intelligence to get through their journey. As a brown woman... I seldom get to say this kind of dialogue. I get to step out of the damn box for once. End quote. Second eight, Thornton sits down. Lena has already picked up her beer. Lena, you,
1: you have been, been here
0: a long time? time? Angle from behind Thornton as Lena drinks. Raddick on the cut also takes a drink, though she had not yet raised her beer. Shepherd, um, um yeah, 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 right, right from the start. I'm, I'm a, a geomorphologist. geomorphologist. The British Society of Geomorphology defines geomorphology as... Quote, the study of landforms that processes forms and sediments at the surface of the Earth, and sometimes on other planets. Study includes looking at landscapes to work out how the Earth's surface processes, such as air, water, and ice, can mold the landscape. Landforms are produced by erosion or deposition, as rock and sediment is worn away by these Earth's surface processes and transported and deposited to different localities. The different climatic environments produce different suites of landforms. The landforms of deserts, such as sand dunes and ergs, are well apart from the glacial and paraglacial features found in polar and subpolar regions. Geomorphologists map the distribution of these landforms so as to understand better their occurrence. End quote. Shepard continues. I've been testing, testing the, mag- the magnetic fields, fields around the boundary, boundary which is like, like using, using confetti, confetti to test a, a hurricane. hurricane. Second 21 ankle past Raddick and Shepard on Thornsson and Lena. Thornsson. Uh, uh and, and i've, been, I've here. been here she pinches her nose as she thinks 10 mm-hmm. months she looks at lena then marvels at what she just said she looks down but returns right away to talking with energy and with her hands meanwhile shepherd takes a drink thornton continued wow 10, ten months paramedic, paramedic from, from chicago, chicago. tried Maybe to join an ngo, an NGO but application my application got flagged second 30 angle past and on lena close thornton continued no, so southern chicago. reach got me two mentions of southern reach in this one scene out of only three mentions that make it into the film while the characters have names and have become less abstract than their book counterparts the setting has changed slightly and become less specific i've pointed out before that despite numerous reviewers describing the film as being set in northern florida a piece of information that comes from vandermeer's background the book or maybe press materials the film never claims to be set in florida and is more logically set in maryland radic off screen only two months Angle on Raddick. Raddick continued. I'm,
1: I'm a physicist. physicist. I came,
0: I came straight, straight from a Cambridge, Cambridge postdoc. post-doc. Shepard, off screen.
1: Came She's very
0: sparring. smart. Raddick looks towards Shepard and smiles. Second 39, a slightly awkward cut from that close angle on Raddick to not much of a different angle, just farther back. Angled past Thornton and Lena on Shepard and Raddick. Shepard continued. What's, What's your, your story, story, Lena? Lena, uh, I'm, I'm from, from Johns Hopkins, Hopkins biologist. biologist. Second forty three angle past Raddick and Shepherd on Thorinson and Lena. Shepherd has her beer to her mouth but does not drink as Lena reveals her occupation. Thorinson on the other hand almost chokes on her beer at the revelation. Thorinson hits the table with one hand. Lena looks at her. Shepherd, ah, oh, oh, there, there you, you go. go. Thorinson, ha. Biology. Second forty five close on Raddick from the left. Shepherd blurry beyond. Raddick raises her eyebrows. Shepherd not you she was smart. Thorinson off screen. What. Shepard turns toward Lena. Shepard, you know we well, had a bad Angle past Thornton and Lena on Shepard and Raddick. Shepard continued. We're Your profession, and Josie had biologists, of, of course. Thornton takes cash out of her pocket and starts to count. Angle past Raddick and Shepard on Thornton and Lena. Thornton puts cash on the table. Angle past Raddick on Shepard. Shepard laughs. Shepard, I, I had have law enforcement. enforcement. Second 54 back to Thornton and Lena. Thornton, I, I had you, you single. single close on shepherd again about to drink she stops shepherd jesus do you have to hit on everyone Everyone, like all all the time angle over table on the group thornton come Come on on. fuck Fuck that that. under Under the circumstances circumstances I i think but we will not learn the circumstances to which she refers as time runs out for this minute we spoke what was it we said Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wanders at the empty place inside.